Happy New Year, Mike. Did you ring it in in proper British form? I don't know what you think we do. Like, what is that? I mean, top hats and champagne and... No, it's just old Lang Syne, uh, because we do the top hats and champagne every every weekend, but th- we just sing old Lang Syne, <laughs> which is just a different song that we all sing together in London at New Year's. Well, in Tennessee, things are pretty quiet, thankfully, so I thought it'd be fun to look at one of the biggest New Year's in a long time. The century, even. The millennia! Okay. Thankfully, the year 2000 did not bring with it the post-apocalyptic wasteland of failed computers, crashed stock markets, planes in the streets, and unreachable power grids that people thought that it would. Today, we are talking about Y2K, which, Stephen, in England was known as the millennium bug, and it sounds like you have been hit with your own New Year's bug. (laughs) I'm a little under the weather. But thankfully, it's not Y2K's fault. Well, that you know of. You don't know. There might have been some kind of millennium bug and it messed up your medication and now look at you. Maybe. It's a long game there (laughs) that it's playing. (laughs) We're not saying Y2K came and went with no problems, but as we'll see, things could have been a lot worse. Should we start at the beginning? Always. Not of time. We don't need to go back that far. In in the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning, there was a calendar. So Y2K is sort of an umbrella term used, at least here in the States, for a, a collection of computer bugs related to the formatting and storage of calendar data for dates beginning in the year 2000. In short, people were afraid that computers would be unable to tell the difference between the year 2000 in the year 1900. The acronym Y2K was attributed to David Eddy, a Massachusetts programmer, in an email sent on June 12, 1995. He later said, people were calling it CDC, the century date change, FADL, the faulty date logic, and other contenders. Y2K just came off my fingertips. The best names are often organic. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be calling this the faddle problem. It doesn't. It just doesn't no. sound as good. Um, it was believed that the Y2K bug could cause errors such as the incorrect display of dates, but more importantly, the inaccurate ordering of automated date records or real-time events. As things, I don't know, like the world's entire digital financial system depended on the correct timestamps for things like transactions and trading, this seems kind of serious. This was all complicated by the fact that some programmers have misunderstood the Gregorian calendar rule that determines whether years that are exactly divisible by 100 are not leap years. And they assumed that year 2000 would therefore not be a leap year. However, in reality, years divisible by 100 are not leap years except for years that are divisible by 400. Thus, the year 2000 was a leap year. Today I learned leap years are complicated. Turns out. So are computers, but they're also kind of stupid. But hey... There are computer things that can be trusted. There are smart, amazing computer things. One of those is Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They're supporting this week's show. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. With a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more, you'll have everything that you need right there in the palm of your hands if your computer is in your hands. Whether you want to create a store, a blog, a site for your business, or just about any website at all, Squarespace has everything you need. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. They're an all-in-one platform. Squarespace have 24-7 support, and you can sign up for a free trial today to check it out. Go to squarespace.com, and when you sign up for a plan, use the code UNGENIUS to get 10 percent off their plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you get that 10 percent off when you use the code on genius to check out squarespace make your next move make your next website people saw this coming thank thankfully <laughs> a book in 1984 first outlined it followed by lots of chatter on usenet starting in 1985 
I'm going to guess that you know what Usenet was. Maybe you even used it. Uh, I do know what it was, Michael. It was a little before your time there, buddy. No problem, old man. So how did computer programmers keep making these mistakes if it was known some 15 years in advance? It's a good question. In the early days of computing, memory was very expensive, and even the world's most powerful mainframes had so little of it, everything was done through the lens of conservation. A two-digit string to represent a year was cheaper and more efficient than a four-digit one, hence the 1900 versus 2000 problem. Programs could simply prefix 19 to the year of a date automatically as needed. There were several different approaches in fixing software for the year 2000. The cleanest was to allow for four-digit years. So instead of just adding 19, you would add 1999. Right, so instead of adding 20, you would add whatever you'd add, and that would be perfect. This was considered the purest solution, resulting in unambiguous dates that are permanent and easy to maintain. However, this method was costly, requiring massive testing and conservation efforts, and usually affecting entire systems. There were some legacy databases whose size could not economically be changed, and some had to rework the strings used to hold dates. This is a little tricky to explain, but I wrote an example out for us. Let's take the date April 28th, 2001. Before Y2K, many computers would have stored that as 042801. And there's our problem, right? It's, is it 1901? Is it 2001? No one knows. Under this revised system, the year would be allowed to take three digits, while the month and date were collapsed into a single number derived from the day's overall place in the year. So under this system, April 28, 2001, would be read as 118001. April 28th is the 118th day of the year and 001 for the year 2001. Now, this system would hold in place until the year 2899. So it's got a little time left on it. Yeah, that, that sounds good enough. That's a good enough fix. Older software systems, though, proved difficult to change. So some programmers elected to use what is known as windowing. Two-digit years were retained, and programmers determined the century value only when needed for particular functions, such as date comparisons and calculations. Now, we have read this, and neither of us really understand what's going on. Just no. <laughs> know that it was another possible option. In short, uh, windowing worked, but it was fragile. and had to be updated every decade or two, and that's, that's as far as we got into it. <laughs> Many countries around the world worked on their own solutions to the problem. In 1998, the United States government responded to the Y2K threat by passing the Year 2000 Information and Readiness Disclosure Act. They worked with private sector companies in order to ensure readiness and created internal continuity of operations plans in the event that there would be problems. The effort was coordinated out of the White House by the President's Council on Year 2000 Conversion. That's uh, part of the government. Every little boy and little girl dreams of joining. The Year 2000 Conversion Council. Yeah, it's <laughs> the height of uh, public service. You made it. You made it, kid. <laughs> the British government made regular assessments of the progress made by different sectors of business towards becoming Y2K compliant. And there was wide reporting of sectors which were laggards. Companies and institutions were classified according to a traffic light scheme ranging from green, meaning no problems, to red, which the British government defined as grave doubts whether the work can be finished in time. Grave doubts. Wasn't that beautiful Grave British doubts. face? The International Y2K Cooperation Center, known as 
IY2KCC, which is one of the worst <laughs> acronyms ever created. So bad. Give it an actual name. Anyway, it was established at the behest of the national Y2K coordinators from over 120 countries when they met at the first global meeting of national Y2K coordinators at the United Nations in December 1988. The IY2KCC established an office in Washington, D.C. in March 1999. Cutting it close there, guys. Mm. <laughs> yes, like they, like they took 11 years to get an office. It was a very, very lengthy process of real estate. You got to find a place, you know, everyone's got to agree on the location. It was expensive to get that sign made. It's a long name. It's true. <laughs> it's a lot of letters. <laughs> Insurance companies sold policies covering failures of businesses due to Y2K problems. Attorneys organized and mobilized for Y2K class action lawsuits. And of course, survivalist related businesses, gun dealers, surplus and Sporting goods anticipated increased business in the final months of 1999. I'm sure they did. In an event known as the Y2K scare. I definitely remember like people buying canned goods and having water on hand in case the end of the world or, you know, grocery stores weren't able to do business or, you know, none of our cars could start. No, people were really afraid. Yeah, petrol stations were emptied, right? Like it was a it was a real thing. Like I remember it, it was a it was a big thing. People were scared. People were excited, right? Year two thousand, but there was like this overall feeling of like this everything stopped working. Many groups yeah. popped up speaking about the end of the world, of course, which spurred on uh, by people who anticipated widespread power outages, food and gasoline shortages, and other emergencies that would come from all of our systems ceremoniously ceasing to exist. Others believed that Y2K was a message from God to a world too occupied with technology and their own glory. I'm just going to leave that one there. Yeah, just walk away. Okay, so we talked about the problem and the fixes. What actually happened on January 1st, 2000? Actually, it turns out not all that much went wrong. (laughs) On the 28th of December, 1999, because they had to be first, 10,000 card swipe machines issued by the HSBC Bank stopped processing credit and debit card transactions. Stores relied on paper transactions until the machines started working again on January 1st. Also in the United Kingdom, incorrect risk assessments for Down syndrome were automatically sent to 154 pregnant women as a direct result of a Y2K bug that led to a miscalculation of the mother's age. Four babies with Down syndrome were also born to mothers who had been told they were in the low-risk group. Ooh. It's rough. Yeah, that's, 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 that's really bad. Um, Japan had some issues. Radiation monitoring equipment in nuclear power plants failed at midnight. That's what you want to fail. Oh, no. Oh, no. And the NTT Docomo telecommunications carrier experienced internal network errors. Here in the U.S., the U.S. Naval Observatory, which runs the master clock that keeps the country's official time. This is the clock that our (laughs) nuclear weapons are synced to. (laughs) Gave the date as January 1st, 19,100. Did no one check the big clock? No one checked the big clock, huh? It got it wrong in an exciting way. I'll give it that. I guess. I guess. In France, the National Weather Forecasting Service, Matteo France, said a Y2K bug made the date on their webpage show a map with weather forecast as January 1st, 19,100. So you're not alone, <laughs> U.S. Naval Observatory. There's no real way to know how many problems occurred. But the major consumer electronic brands and financial systems, all the big players, they were prepared. So most People's home and work computers fared well. Most people didn't run into anything. Interestingly, countries such as South Korea and Italy, who invested little to nothing in Y2K fixes, saw the same amount of small bugs as countries who did. Uh, It's really interesting. 
uh, you know, how much of this was actually necessary, especially when you look at the total cost of work done in preparation for Y2K, $417 billion in today's money. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. So, are the terrible computers done with all of this date madness? Are we set for life now? Surely we are. We had to fix it once. It's not going to happen again, right? Well, here's the thing. Y2K was the most exciting date bug in the history of computing, if you want to call a date bug exciting. Mm -hmm. But it's not the only one. Uh, In the run-up to the big day, people actually became concerned with September 9th, 1999. That date could have been problematic if the date was recorded in software as 9999, so month, date, year. In some very old systems, like old mainframes, 9999 was used to express an unknown date. So say that you have some sort of contract that's open-ended, but the system says, oh, I need a termination date. It was common practice that 9999 would be entered uh, just to hold it there, but the, the day went by without any problems. September 1st, 2010 didn't go off so smoothly. It was actually dubbed as Y2K plus 10 after some SMS messages were labeled with the wrong year and upwards of 20 million bank cards became unusable across Germany. The main source of problems was confusion between hexadecimal number encoding and binary coded decimal encodings of numbers. Now, you all know what that means, right? I don't need to bother explaining that. We all, yeah, we all, that- we all get this. It's fine. Oh, I'm totally confident in what I you mean, just said. Being obviously, right? I mean, I'm surprised it even happened in the first place, considering how much we all understand it. <laughs> Toddlers understand that. Mm-hmm. Then there's the year 2038. Unix systems, uh, things like Apple products, large-scale servers, and even embedded systems within things like transportation uh, systems like trains and planes and stuff, they use uh, Unix underpinnings. And in Unix... Systems use January 1st, 1970 as the beginning of time, a fixed point from which they can count forward from. Why did they pick that date? Like, why Why that one? Do you it's know a, why? That is a topic. It's a to- I do, but that's a topic for a different time. Ooh, okay. On 32-bit systems, basically, they will run out of memory space to count the current time starting on January 19th, 2038. As of this recording, there is no universal fix for the year 2038 problem. Good. Good news. It's not not that far away. Then there is the year 10,000 problem that will emerge when the need to express years with five digits arises. No one's too worried about that right now, though. I think we're good. No, it's not keeping me up at night. Mm -mm. This was a lot of fun to read about. Uh, You and I have both wanted to do this topic for a while. So thank you to Jeff for sending it in and finally uh, kicking us into action on this. Really interesting, right? The world really freaked out and there's this big debate as any of this work was actually necessary because, as you said, countries that did very little saw basically the same types of problems that countries that spent billions of dollars. So no one, I think no one really will ever know, but uh, I'm glad that it wasn't the, en- the end of the world. Stephen, are we year 2038 ready? Is our company ready for year 2038? Sure. Okay, good. Sure. Great. Prepared. Yeah, just going to write that down. <laughs> If you want to read more about Y2K or the year 2038 or the year 10,000 problems, uh, we have links together on our website, relay.fm slash ungeniust slash 41. You can get in touch with us there as well. You can send us an email. You can find us on Twitter. The show is at ungeniust. Tons of our topics come from audience suggestions, including this one. So uh, drop us a line with your favorite weird Wikipedia article. While you're there on Twitter, you can find Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find me there as I-S-M-H. And until our next crippling mainframe bug, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.